With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson from Duke University. Tyler back for the first time since February and it's been it's been pretty quiet lately what you think mm, very quiet <laughs> I mean dude you could not like seriously you cannot make up what happened to this Pelicans organization this past couple weeks like if you would have told me this a few months ago I would have just laughed about it this yeah is, this I wouldn't insane. have been surprised though. No, that's just right. us. It's us every off season, and then uh, we're that's that's the Pelicans. That's how we go. Yeah, so you know we're we're used to we're used to weird drama. Uh, you know, Griffin playing the piano for Zion and uh, the Zion Griff era, the Zion the drama era. It's dude, it's a soap opera. But man, <laughs> I did not. Like I did not have Zion getting into drama with porn stars on my bingo card, dude. I just, I just didn't. Um, but here we are. Here we are. Uh, and that's that stuff's been talked about a lot. So I don't want to harp too much on Zion's baby mama drama in uh, that situation. Honestly, he could do what he wants. Uh, the only thing I'll say about this, and this kind of echoes uh, what Christian Clark said on his podcast. Zion just clearly doesn't either have the right people from a PR standpoint, or he just straight up doesn't listen to them. Uh, so I hope that gets rectified soon because he has an amazing agent. He has an amazing talent agency behind him. CAA has amazing uh, history of athletes and superstars. Yet Zion just can't handle his PR situation. So I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much about that, man. But what, like, what do you feel about that? Like, t- the superstar on our team doesn't know how to handle his superstardom. Um, I think my biggest problem with the whole thing isn't the situation at all. Like, you like right. BBLs, you like BBLs, go mm-hmm. for it. Um, but it's really just like, as of right now, Zion with this team. If you would have told me four years ago that. Zion, who we were drafting at that time, who you got to remember where we were as Pelicans fans at that point. We were at like the lowest of the low, just kind of lost AD, didn't know where we we're going. And then we we got that number one pick. We're getting a whole new front office. All everything's changing. Gail's investing in the front. Like everything felt like it was like one of the best times to be a Pelicans fan. And we we're basically starting a rebuild, right? We just felt so hopeful and we're so full of future. And just four years later, it's like my superstar from that point that I thought was going to, you know, a lot of people thought could potentially be the next LeBron. I don't think anybody was too sold on that. Um, But it's only played 112 games and is going to be more famous for sitting out, being out of shape and banging porn stars. (laughs) Mm. 
than uh, winning us any games. And that's that's the disappointing part. And like a lot of people quickly point out, you know, he got us to the one seed and he did. But that was in December, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, if, if we're being real from a basketball sense, people don't even really start playing basketball for real until January. So. Yeah, I, I don't from a production standpoint for what he's done for this franchise. Zion has done very little like overall and that he keeps being in the news for the wrong things is disappointing because I really don't think he's a bad guy or like deserves all the hate that he gets or the drama that he gets around him. Um, but it's just it just sucks that it continues to be our situation and you which you hoped was a one-year thing, ended up being a two-year thing, into a four-year thing, and you got to pray that it's not a five-year thing. Yeah, you you can't say Zion's tenure here has been anything but serious disappointment mixed in with brief stints of brilliant basketball. And we're reeled in so heavily by those brief moments of brilliant basketball that we are kind of getting drag through the ringer here a little bit with Zion drama and it's frustrating because we end up talking about this more than his encore production because there's, there's been very little encore production but we as a we as a fan base have probably talked more about him and his life off court I would say probably five to ten times more than anything he's done on the court yeah and I was talk- I was talking to my friend Jack about this man. Zion's a little enigmatic. Like we don't really know who he is because of how he handles himself uh off the court. Like I don't really know who Zion is. And that's a very weird mix of him not being on social media, which is fine. Like a lot of athletes are like that. Brandon Ingram's like that. Uh Nikola Jokic is like that, but those guys' personalities kind of shine through what they say in interviews and what they do off the court. Zion, um, every time he does an interview, it seems very canned. It seems very scripted, like he has this character that was created. And honestly, if I had to guess who it was created by, it was Lee Anderson. Lee Anderson's a weird guy himself, but I don't want to talk too much about him. Um, And Zion's refusal to do any interviews and refusal to talk to the media at whenever he possibly can, he refuses to talk to the media. So I don't really know who Zion is. I didn't picture him as a guy who was going to have drama between two porn stars or whatever they are. I don't want to specify the terms, Uh, but here we are. Um, Wasn't expecting it, but here we are. So yeah, Zion's a little, little, little mystified character. And I wasn't expecting that, but I don't care. I mean, really, we talked about this too, Tyler, you and I. We don't care if the encore production was there, but it's not. You know, it's not there. He misses 60, 65% of the games that he's supposed to play in. So this is what we're left with. And that's unfortunate. I hope it turns around. Um, I know we're going to talk about both sides of the story here too, but I'd be remiss to say that it hasn't changed my mind about Zion because it has uh, his past four years. You know, I went from being in the boat thinking you cannot trade, you you can't trade a guy like this, this talented. But now I'm kind of in the boat like I want to be, I want to be that upset. Like I understand it, and I could probably even be talked into 
thinking why it's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, so just on the personality design, and it's part of the reason I hate talking about like the outside, the court production, because we, we don't know him. So I don't like to try and guess on his character um, because everything points to me as, you know, he's a good kid. He's 20 or 22 year old, normal NBA superstar kid. He's a kid you gave a, a lot of money. It's a good point. Um, it's a good point. He's 22 year old kid with a lot of money. I mean, yeah, but it makes, the, it makes sense. Yeah. But it, here's a couple of things with that. And this will lead into the next part of our conversation. He is now no longer a rookie on rookie scale pay or anything like that. He is now 22 years old and he's getting paid $30 million a year. He is a professional and he needs to be a professional. And if he's not being a professional, that's, that's a, that's a red flag. I don't care what he does on the court. I I don't care if he is not being a professional in the sense of taking care of his body, showing up, producing. And we don't know that he's not doing these things right now. It's just things we've known that he hasn't done. Um, it, this is where he has no choice, but he has to he has to step up. So I hope the front office is pretty aware of that. I think he I don't think he's a guy who's not willingly putting in the work to be an asshole or to be lazy. I just think he gets caught up from being, you know, the best player in college and AAU teams, and to just thinking like I can just go out there and play basketball, and he doesn't realize the level of work that's involved in being a professional NBA player, truly taking care of his body and truly being prepared 24 seven, because guess what? There's a reason you're making $30 million. And like, yeah, I mean, you see Jokic and Luka Doncic, like they don't show up super healthy all the time. Um, And I don't want to go too in the weeds into this, but I mean, they don't jump 45 inches off the ground. So (laughs) you kind of got to consider the the different variables there but yeah he he just he he needs to be a professional now um more than ever for his own sake you know not even just for us but uh and i'm sure i'm sure he's hearing that i'm sure cj's telling that i'm sure larry's telling him that you know i'm sure other people are telling him that um and i'm sure he knows that i just hope that like you said at the beginning there are still working on putting the right people around him that make sure he does that outside of showing up to play basketball because we know he can do that, but he's got to do the rest too. Cause that's a big part of it. So let's, let's kind of jump into the latest story here. Uh, it's been rumored or it's been at least said that the Pelicans are very interested in scoop. I mean, rightfully so. Have you seen this dude's highlight tape? Have you seen this dude's work ethic? Have you seen anything about this guy? He's one of the better guard prospects we've seen come out of college in, in quite some time. I would even put him probably ahead of John Morant as a prospect coming out of college. And he is rumored to be um, very uh, liked by the Pelicans, very liked by CJ McCollum. And there's rumors out there that uh, we want to trade. Now, before we kind of deep dive into this, I do want to talk about all angles here. Chances are, Tyler, we probably aren't going to trade up to number two or number three. Um, I would even put it at 99% that if the trade is made, it's probably not going to include Zion. It's not going to include BI from everything we're hearing from the most trusted sources from our organization. When a guy like Roche 
talks, it's directly from our front office. When a guy like Shams talks, it's directly from the players or the agents or whatever. So, um, and not from our front office. So we can kind of deep dive into that a little bit about, um, you know, what is it even, is it even worth mentioning those different trade packages or not? Um, why the Pelicans should or shouldn't do it? I'm just kind of like, I want to be the voice of reason a little bit and just say the Pelicans should always explore every trade option. And if you have an opportunity to get a guy like Scoot, I think you got to have at least call and make those conversations happen. And I'm sure you're more up to date on what's the latest about what the Pelicans or what's rumored out there the Pelicans have said or what they haven't said. Yeah. Um, I mean, so uh, if you go with the latest Zach Lowe pod, Jonathan Givoni, the the draft guy who gets pretty involved with the draft trade talks as well. And I'm sure he shares a lot of the same people Waj does. So he's probably getting the same thing Waj is getting, which is that they're not looking to trade Zion or BI. Um, it almost seemed like they reached out to Charlotte going, hey, what would it take for two? And that's really it. And that's from what they both said. That's a pretty normal thing that teams do, um, which, you know, we should all know this. Because I think if we go back and look at the original tweets, right? Well, like the original mentioning of this whole trade rumor getting blasted off into Twitter stratosphere. Um, it's that the Pelicans were interested in Scoot and everyone just immediately assumed and not wrongly. So I'm pretty sure due to monetary and value reasons, but um, that Zion or BI was one of those people that would be mentioned. But, you know, the Pelicans could have just reached out and been like, Hey, you know, Charlotte, you know, you got LaMelo. Um, if you're not really super interested in scooting a two-guard tandem pairing, um, and you also don't know what's going on with their ownership situation over there, um, hey, we got a ton of draft picks. You know, what would it take to move up? And they're like, well, hey, we need Zion or BI. Okay, well, thanks. We'll uh, we'll let you know. And that's it. That's that's the phone call. Um, and that's all we hear. Because as, as far as Givoni also said, um, they – haven't even talked to Portland, which if you were really interested in Scoot, you wouldn't. You would just because Portland's basically a middleman at that point. You would go straight to the source and try to get that Charlotte second pick, unless it was a uh, unless it was like too much leverage, too much, um, like where you're not going to do the offer, and then you just kind of bluff out Charlotte and go, "All right, well, take Scoot, go with Scoot and Lamelo. Are you going to do that? Or are you going to go with Brandon Miller, the better fit?" Um, if I, I mean, if I'm if I'm them, I'm taking Scoot. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah, just I mean, it. but it's Charlotte, so right, right. Uh, yeah, uh, same thing. I'm taking S- Scoot. Um, it, it, and I, I really think that's what it comes down to. I think the Pelicans were interested in reaching out to Scoot because this isn't, you know, no one's even mentioned this that I've saw. This isn't the first time David Griffin's been tied to a, a high-ranking, uh, elite guard in the draft. We were we were tied to Jaden Ivey last year from what I heard mm-hmm. is that he was looking to go up for Jaden Ivey too. I, so he obviously has interest in adding an explosive point guard to this team um, through the draft specifically because you can't really get those guys after the fact. Yeah, unless they're think- damaged goods. Um, so I think there is interest there. I don't think that's a... I don't think that's 
smokescreen, right? I, I think there is legit interest. And I think if the package was reasonable, I think David Griffin would do it. I think right now he's not willing to include Zion or BI. But I think depending on how those talks pursue, I don't think I don't think it's out of the question. I'll put it that way, that at the very least, Zion is on the board. Um, I would say BI is more untouchable than Zion, but I, you know, I, and we had talked about this off, off the pod. Uh, be prepared if you were looking for a trade for disappointment Thursday, because <laughs> that's usually how these work out. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen. And I think there is a lot of truth in what people are saying. And this might be frustrating, and I, I'm extremely frustrated by it, but there is a lot of truth in the idea that this team is extremely talented as constructed. This team is a championship contender as currently constructed. That is our ceiling. And I think that's true. I think we have the right role players. I think we have the right talent at the top. I think we have all the right fits as well across the board. Um, the problem is the problem for me though, Tyler, is like our ceiling is championship, but our floor is lottery pick every single year for the same exact reason. And so far, we've been closer to that lottery pick team than that championship contender team because of the same exact things. And it's it's injuries. And at some point you do have to call a spade a spade. Is that this year? Is that next year? Is that the following year? I don't know. Um, but I do know that it's understandable from a fan base standpoint to say, look, it's not working out. Let's trade this guy and let's go get a guy like Scoot Henderson. And by that guy, I mean BI or Zion. I understand. Like those two guys are injury prone and they haven't been able to stay on the court. So if they're involved in packages and people get a guy like Scoot, I understand the lore of that. I understand the draw. I understand the reasoning behind it. But I also understand the reasoning behind being Pat. So I know people want to talk in such uh, declarative statements and and have such um, boisterous opinions on either side and say they're right and other people are wrong. I'm just like, I'm not here to say that tonight at all. Uh, I'm here to say, I think both options are reasonable. I think both options are fun and favorable for the Pelican situation. I just think the most realistic option is that nothing's going to happen. Um, nothing big like that's going to happen. We're not going to move up. We're not going to make a splash trade. And we're going to give Zion and BI another chance to be our cornerstone of this team. So, um, yeah, you know, like I said, I want to talk and I want to be one of those podcasts that's just like, I'm right. Look at me. The Pelicans are stupid or the Pelicans are smart if they do this or that. It's just like, that's just not who we are. And, um, I just, I, I can't make statements like that in good faith. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, I, I've been trying to stay as a voice of reason on it. I've been a bit more active on Twitter, which is not really active at all. But just <laughs> a couple, um, I had somebody quote tweet me today, and I was like, I don't know what you're trying to say, but um, let's talk it out. And he didn't say anything. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I mean, so what I'll say on that is, uh, both sides of the coin, right? Cause here's the thing, right? At the, at the end of the day, if we're being realistic about the whole scenario, and this is what I told you, and this is my frustration. I think this is a lot of people's frustration. This is frustration that was there at the end of the season. Um, and that kind of simmered down over time where people are like, you know what? Yeah, let's make another bet on this. Cause you kind of forget about it, right? You, 
like right. the pain starts to fade. Um, uh, the thing is, is like I am as a Pelicans fan. Okay, I I mean, me and you both been Pelicans fans fifteen close to twenty years. We are traumatized, shell shocked, all that in between of being a Pelicans fan. That any time a superstar goes out on our court, that they twist their ankle and they're gone mm-hmm. for two mm-hmm. months. And we are yeah. proven right every single season. Our fears are confirmed every single season. When's the last season we were healthy? Like legitimately healthy? Uh, we can't even think of one, dude. Never. Yeah. So not not as on. You're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about. You go way back to like. I mean, where there wasn't a significant injury to a one of the good players. You talking? You go back to Chris Paul in 08, 09, and even then, you know, Paige had back issues, and um, I think somebody else got hurt. I can't remember because it was a while ago. But like even the 2014 playoff run with AD and them, I think like. You know, of course, Eric Gordon. That's all you gotta say. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it had to have been. It had to have been at oh eight oh nine, right? Where we yeah. made the. So yeah, I mean, this isn't a David Griffin thing. This isn't a Zion thing. This is a Pelicans thing. Right. Now, here's the thing. Combine that with Zion, who is not playing games. He's not. The only season he's even played so far as a Pelican with any kind of um consistency is the covid season and you know i wonder if that's just because they kind of had to um and how much they practice kind of kept them in condition that's a whole different ball game we can get into but um he just he doesn't play and is i think the front office has got to ask themselves every day especially in this off season it's like are we are we ready to take this bet again and like, mm-hmm. what are the consequences? Because I think we talk about as fans, right? I think we talk about the Pelicans that, you know, hey, they have to do it. This is make or break season. And we almost talk about it like it's gonna, the good thing is gonna happen, right? We did the same thing last year. We were like, it's make or break. Well, guess what? They broke. Like, it didn't work out. I and mean, everybody was pissed off to end the season. Um, and we're saying the same thing again this offseason, right? But I think we're coming off of last offseason from the play-in and everything. There's a little cushion, a little comfort room. But if we break this season, Jonathan, this would be my question to you. What happens? If Zion legitimately only plays less than 40 games again, what is the future of this franchise? Uh, it's It's dark. I guess you'd say, and I mean, you know, a lot of that, that's, that's a wide ranging question. Um, you know, what type of injury did he get? Is it? Yeah. I mean, well, no, even if let's just say it's not a, it's not a career altering injury or anything, but let's just say it's once again, Zion averages, I I think his career, I think his career played games averages like 30 something. Let's say Zion, Let's say Zion did 45 games. B.I. did 60. Yeah. You ready to go in with that roster for year six? Probably not. Yeah. So here's where I can see, and, and that brings me to my point. And that, and Jonathan, how much more likely is that to happen than, than both play 70 games? 
I mean, if you're a betting guy, you'd probably bet on the under for sure. Yeah. And so this isn't me being biased or pessimistic or anything like that. This is just me pointing out what history has told us as Pelicans fans and what happens with Zion and even BI um, in this in this tenure. Now, <laughs> I think me and you, Jonathan, would both love to be proved wrong on that point. Then they play 82 games and we would be the happiest MFers alive. Um, and you could say, ah, y'all were wrong. Y'all were dead wrong. I'd be like, yep, I was absolutely, <laughs> you know, I don't care. Um, but from a front office standpoint, it's like, okay, so now we're paying both these guys like 60, $70 million. Right. Um, and they're not playing and they're not winning. Do you know any team in the NBA that lasts more than five years and they're like as a core, and they're not winning. Yeah, I mean, the closest... Can you think of a team? The closest right now currently is probably the Clippers. Um, and they're in the playoffs every year. And they're in the playoffs every year, and we're not. So, And they have hey, a former MVP... They have an MVP candidate. Um, but, I mean, they have a bunch of good players, good coach, it's LA. Like, it's, yeah, nobody... Nobody that I can think of outside of Clippers faces the amount of injuries that we have. It's not to even the injuries to their main guys. Well, yeah, but I mean, you could say like Orlando does. Does uh, I think they have usually have a lot of injury issues, Washington and stuff like that. But do you know any team in the NBA that, regardless of the excuse or what happens with the team, if they don't win for five straight years, because we are not a winning franchise right now. Our best season was last season where we were all super disappointed at 42 and 40, mm-hmm. um, even though we had the play and run, but you know, record wise, that was our best season. Um, no team in the NBA lasts that long off of potential. I mean, I know they got young guys, but eventually, like you said earlier, a spade's a spade and they will, they will cut. Cause I mean, they're just not going to keep paying, guys 70 million dollars and they don't play games and win games for them that's just yeah so the NBA. the correct answer is it's going to be it's going to put a lot of pressure on the front office to decide is this team worth sticking together and moving on um and it feels like this year is that year right like it feels like this is the year for that if by the time this draft is over with we still have this same core of guys intact it feels like this is the year, man. And Zion starts his first year of his new extension. Uh, B.I. has two years left. C.J. McCollum has two years left. So if it doesn't work now, then, yeah, you I mean, have a lot of pressure on you to make some serious, not, not, not small changes, not firing coaches, which we're going to talk about next, and changing medical staff. You're going to be talking about roster construction and potentially – Head coach changes. So you could be talking about David Griffin's gone. Yeah, you could be talking about front office changes. So that's that's what they're betting on here. That's that's why the importance of this, because you know, let's say it's Zion who's not healthy again and doesn't play. BI is gonna be BI is gonna be like, all right, you know, maybe I just need to like see what else is out there. Indicates to the Pell's front office, hey, I'm gonna test free agency at the very least. So now you got a chance of him walking. CJ would be gone at that point for sure and probably would need to be. Um, and now you're stuck with damaged goods. 
Mm. Uh, which unfortunately that's what he would be labeled as i'm not saying he is i'm just saying what the nba would label him as uh at that point um it can go bad real quick and that's what i don't think people realize the the edge that we are teetering on it can go amazing like you said it can go amazingly real quick like right it can hit that championship level ceiling i don't know if we're there just yet i think we'd need to pull off one or two more extra pieces on top of this roster if if we're looking at it in a vacuum but it can go really bad really quick or it can go really great really quick and that's what the front office is going to do and i think if they did think about scoot right and they did go for scoot that would give them cushion mm-hmm. now if they found a way to get scoot and keep zion and bi that's jeez uh holy crap um wouldn't happen you'd have to send uh one of them to get that package um 99 out of 100 times um but you know let's say you did give up one of them now you do have cushion to go okay if one of them leave or zion gets hurt okay well we can work on the development of who we think will actually take the reins of this team potentially um you know it 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 gives you um it gives you cushion it gives the front office cushion so i can see why they're looking at it but not only that the kids the kid's really good. Yeah. Um, and how Zion at the way he plays, right? And he doesn't look to be changing his play style. At the way he plays, how long can he keep playing the way he's playing and not continue to get hurt? In the same way that we all know from watching like Anthony Davis, for instance, he has never changed the way he plays and he's consistently hurt because he's not going to change how he plays. He's not going to change who he is. And so he'll keep consistently getting hurt because his body can't handle the the um the force that he puts himself through um and he's a little bit of a you know what but that's a different story so i, I mean there's a lot of pieces to it there's a and that's to your original and i'm and i'm done after this i'm done on my rant yeah. uh that's to your original point is there's so many variables to this to not consider it as an option would just be kind of dumb by the front office if they weren't considering it i'd me and you had talked about it a couple weeks ago i'd be like if i was them i'd I'd look at scoot i'd see what it takes to get scoot you know and i mean anybody could have saw that coming because you know of where we're at if zion and bi is playing 70 plus games a season this isn't even a conversation we're not even picking at 14 you know so it's because of where we're at and People got to understand that it's not about the talent. It's not about what Zion does when he's on the court. Everyone knows that it's about everything else. Yeah. There's a lot of variables and so many people bring in one or two variables at a time instead of painting a big picture. Um, And there's just so much going on with this team. I will say I I do overall have a lot of confidence in this team. Um, and not just with health, just like in talent in general, man. Like I'm so hyped up on the way Herb Jones ended the season last year. Uh, I'm so hyped up on the way like Trey Murphy was playing at the end of last season. I'm still super excited about the potential I saw out of Dyson Daniels and the leadership that Jose kind of brought from that bench unit. Like I'm still very high on our young guys, and I, I still think that this team – is more than likely going to figure it out. And I don't think that trading Zion and Brandon Ingram 
signals a complete rebuild if they were to go that route after next year. No, so, it would be like a soft retool. Yeah, and and I so like I just you know, and I don't want to I don't want to get into those arguments, man. I don't want to. I just you know I get a headache when I see some of these arguments from some of the Pelicans talking heads. We won't get specifics, but like the the surrounding guys around Brandon Ingram and Zion are just so good that if we did decide to move on from one of those players for whatever reason and we did get a decent return like a scoot level player like i still like our team um so yeah i don't know i'm not i'm not down on a team i'm not negative about this team um i will say this is the first time since we got zion and brandon ingram that i even thought about potentially trading them um mm-hmm. And, you know, how could you not, you know, how could you not at least think about it? Because the product that's been produced on the court the past four years has not been uh, anywhere near our expectations. So, yeah, I I, I I like this team. I like where we're at. My, the best case scenario is that we stay healthy and we see this team for what it really is because we still don't know that. But um, I, I think that if we do decide to move on from Zion or Brandon Ingram, we're not necessarily in a bad place. Um, we surrounded ourselves with a lot of good young talent. So uh, it's it's a frustrating position to be in as a Pelicans fan, but at the same time, weirdly optimistic yet frustrating. I don't know. That's a weird, that's a weird statement to make, but I I'm mean, not I'm not down in the dumps on this team. It's almost like a coin because like we're going off the edge altogether. And the front office is taking us is taking the first leap, because mm-hmm. um, like I said, it could it could be incredible. Like uh, I think me and you will both say it. First off, you know me more than most people as far as like how much I don't stay in players. Uh, you know, I go for the team, but like mm-hmm. how big of a fan of Zion and Zion's game I was, and you know what we saw from this last year. If we can get that for sixty five games. We're special. I mean, we're talking about a special season. I mean, you are legit. I mean, even national people are like, yeah, like when he plays, he's he's a top five player in the league. And like they don't want to – it probably hurts them to say that, but you can't even deny it when you watch But, I mean, and I understand the people who are like, yeah, but he never plays. Like all of these things are true. Yeah. So so all of these things are true. All of these things warrant uh, your opinions and they warrant discussion. I just, uh, I don't know. I just don't. I'm like, this is my personal opinion. I'm not saying it's correct or not. I just, I don't see how you give up on that just yet. But if we did for Scoot, I want to be mad. So that's all. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I don't think you can give yeah, up on Zion. The, the, the but other, if, but the, if we did, but if we did, and yeah. we get Scoot, I'm kind of like, okay, you know. Yeah. So that, that's where I'm at. Well, the other thing is that. If, if it all does go bad after the season, right, this could be your last real window to trade for a guy like Scoot. Mm-hmm. Because one, Scoot is probably a higher level prospect than you would normally see at two. Two, the teams at two and three are at very unique positions where they're probably, you could you could persuade them to give up the pick. Whereas a lot of teams in those situations are not giving up the pick. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a very unique year. I'll say that to where that's why I was like, Scoot is actually very interesting just because, again, Charlotte 
is probably not crazy about starting LaMelo next to Scoot. I mean, you got two smaller guys on the court together. Both need the ball in their hand. And Scoot is great with the ball in his hand, but so is LaMelo. You know, and we've seen it before where the Kings, you, you thought this was a great combo where that could work. And then they trade the guy and you're like, oh, the Kings are crazy. And next thing we know, they're the three seed next season. Um, so it's just franchises aren't a big fan of that. And then, you know, Portland, they're trying to get something about Dame still. The last mm-hmm. thing I heard is they they still want to build around Dame. They're probably going to use the pick, but. If they can get the right player for the right package, they will uh, they will part with it to get Dame a guy. So, yeah, man. Um, it is a unique opportunity, and I think that has to be acknowledged as well. Because yeah. if it is damaged goods for Zion or Bi, and now people are like, "Well, uh, Zion's making thirty million dollars. I'm basically paying him a million dollars a game. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, that's, that's tough." So, but not anyway, to harp on it, but just so, another part. I don't think we'll see these big splash, crazy changes. But the Pelicans have made changes, Tyler, this off season, and the the two stories that came out so far, and one has been talked about a lot, the other one not so much. But the two changes that the front office has made that's pretty significant is uh, Aaron Nelson has kind of gotten fired, but not really, but it seems like he's fired. And uh, Teresa Witherspoon got the can. So a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on the Aaron Nelson situation. It seems like you and I had a pretty good discussion on this, Tyler, and I think this is pretty damn accurate. It doesn't matter how good you are at that job if you aren't making the connections and if you aren't building the relationships with the people that you're supposed to be doing uh this work on then you're probably not the right fit like you can be the best trainer in the entire world which by all by all means Aaron Nelson potentially is uh but if you have a couple of guys in the Pelicans organization that don't trust you or if you've had coaches that don't trust what you do then that relationship aspect of it is a huge deal and if Aaron Nelson is button heads with those guys, then maybe he's not the right fit. I mean, it's basically as simple as like, okay, if you're not ready to give up on the roster, right? Mm-hmm. You you have to change as many of the pieces around it as you can. Because in the same way that they changed Sam Van Gundy because he wasn't the right fit for Zion and BI, they're, they're doing the same with the training staff with Aaron Nelson, which a lot of people get confused with the med staff, but he's really in charge of training and player rehabilitation and stuff like that. So not really connected to the medical side of things as much. It's really more with getting you the plan to get you back, which Zion needs to listen to because his is terrible, Uh, (laughs) but he doesn't, he didn't. And that's, that's the fact that in the same way that Zion doesn't play. And you, you have to say that about him now. That's a fact. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. The fact is Aaron Nelson in his four years here could not keep our superstars on the court. Mm -hmm. Now, is he to blame? Probably not, you know, but the fact remains that that's keeps happening. And I think as David Griffin acknowledged, you know, like we know it keeps happening. They have to try and change something. They have to, you have to try 
you have to try to get somebody who listens to because we know for a fact, right, Jonathan, this is also another fact, not an opinion, that Zion does not listen to rehabilitation plans, that he does not follow training staff advice from the Pelicans. Um, he's got his own training staff. He's got his own people he does that with, and they're frankly garbage because while he shows up in shape because he worked out all summer, as soon as he gets hurt, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, and he doesn't, he butts heads with any of the plans that there are to come together. And I think he was finally in sync with them towards the end of last season, but you know, he had a setback on his hamstring. I feel like that was a whole shady situation. Anyway, you have to, you have to, you have to attempt it at David Griffin. And I think the other important part of that and what we saw from Teresa Weatherspoon thing is that David Griffin, when he says what he's going to do in his postseason presser, that's, I would take his word for it at this point. I would not say Griff's being a salesman at this point. I think he's truly authentic in his post-game pressers because this would be the second off-season in a row uh, where he's done what he said he was going to do, essentially. And he basically said they were going to look at all assets, uh, aspects of the organization and make the changes that they need to make because they were not satisfied. Yeah, and I mean... I don't have sources within the organization, but people I do know that work around a team that may or may not have sources, uh, they told me a long time ago, even before the Zion hamstring injury, that Zion just did not listen to Aaron Nelson. And that, I mean, it's been you know, reported well enough. And that's been reported well enough. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, that it's he, real. That he had his own team, that he did not listen to the Pelicans front office, and the front office was getting frustrated by it. Uh, but then, you know, that's that's one player. I don't think you change the medical staff up for one player, even if he is Zion fucking Williamson. But, you know, then you, you hear reports that Brandon Ingram isn't really uh, listening to them as well. You hear reports that Stan Van Gundy had trouble with them. And you hear reports um, that Alvin Gentry had trouble with them. So it just seems that the front office had to make a decision there. And the common denominator, unfortunately, was Aaron Nelson. So they pulled the plug on him. And, man, Teresa Witherspoon is just a weird, weird case. By all indications, all of the players love her. Cam Jordan is tweeting out that all the players only talk good things about her. But then you see reports kind of coming out that uh, maybe she wasn't the best coach to be influencing these guys. And maybe she and Willie Green didn't see eye to eye, you know, so they have some of those reports coming out right now too. So David Griffin's like, look, dude, if you aren't adding to this team, you're gone. And Aaron Nelson wasn't adding to this team. Teresa Witherspoon by some accounts wasn't adding much to this team. So they are gone and it's time to move on. And we're going all in with coach Willie Green. Uh, we're seemingly going all in with this roster as well. So those around them better fit in and conform to the Willie Green show and better fit into the Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram show as well, because it looks like that is happening. And we are going to get a full season of moving forward with the current roster and the current coaching staff and their vision. And anybody pulling that back, anybody that's not on board is gone. And 
You know what? David Griffin's a slimy dude, and he says a lot of weird, circular, secular talk, and it's kind of disgusting. Yeah, uh, it's kind of disgusting to listen to him at times. But you kind of have to give him credit here. He went on his. I mean, he said a lot of uh, very serious things at his press conference, and now he's making a lot of serious moves. So you have to respect it. Will it bite us in the ass? I don't know. We'll see. But I respect it. Uh, at the very least, I respect it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, on the Teresa Weatherspoon front, the other thing is, you know, Griffin never really gave Willie a chance to pick out his staff, which is pretty much the thing going around. That's why it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, at least from a fan perspective. Um, and, and that could be the case, but it's like, okay, yeah, you're in Zion's year, but that's not helping us. He's yeah, not playing like, basketball for us. He's not doing anything for us. So um, congratulations. You know, like we're, we're, we're trying to have a professional organization with coaches. Um, and that's not to knock Teresa. I'm not, you know, I, I actually don't know what she did. She could have been a great coach and maybe they're just going separate ways. I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing her, but it could, you know, I see that in the same way that Fred Vincent's talked about for just shooting stuff. It's like you you all do realize this isn't 2K and the coach doesn't do one thing, right? Like, that's not how it works. They should be adding a lot to the table. Like, the coaches should be pouring over film, focusing on player development, strategy, uh, scouting. Like, all these different things they need to be involved in. It should not be like, oh, yeah, well, Teresa Zion's best friend, so that's why she needs to stay. That's a horrid reason to keep a professional coach on the roster. And she was a player development coach. And if she wasn't a player development coach for Zion, she's a player development coach for everybody. So are the other players developing? Is she hitting the benchmarks to get those players where the organization wants them? I mean, there's again, there's all kinds of factors people are not considering that could have been done. And they easily, because if they work the same way the Saints do, which I, I would bet they took a buck or two out of, is that they do post evaluations and they really take their time and they go real in depth on their evaluations of their organization. And they go, here's our weak areas, you know, health C or D. Uh, okay. So who we got in health, who can we change? Aaron Nelson, boop, see, ya. you know, coaching. Okay. Well, you know, Willie's not happy with this. We get complaint. We've had a few complaints here. Boom. Teresa gone. And I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but you know, that's basically how it worked. They, took the time to gather data information and now they're making the changes and we're seeing those results. Yeah. And I, I can't fault them about that. So I don't think it's a slight on Zion in any facet either. And I think yeah. that's probably why they met with them today too, to tell them like, Hey, this isn't a slight, this is just direction we needed to go to make the team better. And I, I would bet they believe that when they told them. It doesn't feel like David Griffin's the type of guy to fire somebody or to get rid of somebody without reason. Or yeah, yeah. And I so, mean, Teresa's. Uh, I would she probably got it hired in the first place because of Swin. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Maybe Stan got her in. Um, but you know, it. I'm sure it wouldn't have been a. I'm sure it was a decision they did not want to make lightly. Yeah. They know they know how loved she is. I mean, the fan base. The I don't fan know base why was, they had to come out and say like, well, 
before they hired Willie, they had come out and say they weren't going to give Teresa the job, but they were going to keep her around. Right. So, the like, fan base, the fan base really took to her. Um, yeah. and rightfully so. She's very charismatic, very good in yep. front of a camera. Yep. Uh, she says a lot of loving things. So, yeah, I understand that's a that's a tough fire. So they definitely didn't make that decision lightly. But it is what it is, man. She's gone, and I think a lot of the pressure is being put on the team now to win. And if you're making moves like this, you kind of send in a direct message. Like, if you're not producing for this team, you're gone. And now's the time to produce. Yeah, and I will say what you see on the camera doesn't always signify the person, as we know by uh, Zion, Stan. So yeah, and I'm just I'm going, I'm going. You know, we got the Pelicans re- released a lot of footage with the whole crew series. You know, yeah, um, yeah. So I'm I'm kind of basing it off of that too. I wish they would have did that during COVID. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> the bubble that'd have been so fun. Uh, yeah, but that's the that's the big news. I don't know if we have much else to talk about, man. I know we got the draft coming up, but I really don't want to discuss prospects. You know, I got kind of, I got, I got a little bit of pushback on Twitter when I said, "Jesus Christ, I hate off-season NBA content because it's all the same shit." Mm-hmm. Should we trade? Who's the draft prospects? Who has the highest ceiling? Who has the highest floor? It's just like, to me, it's so mind-numbing. Mm-hmm. And then the basketball guys were like, "Oh, you think this is mind-numbing, Jonathan? Here's a bunch of porn stars." Yeah, gotcha. I actually, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't agree with you at all, Jonathan. I find that part actually pretty fun. That's why, that's why they keep sticking us in the lottery every uh, year. Thank you. You're welcome. Because I loved a lot. I I do love checking out the players because I don't really watch college ball too much. And then coming back around and really like dive deep on the players, like listen to all the scout experts talk about the players and their weaknesses and stuff and really trying to like, play puzzle pieces with with okay what's this guy gonna turn into or what could he turn into watching the nba as long as we have you start to get a feel for looking at the guys and you're like that dude can play in the nba like he's either like something would have to go wrong for this dude to not be good in the nba and then there's some guys you're like oof i don't like the way that guy looks um and it's just like a quick feel thing but like as you watch them and really start to understand them it gets really complex it's kind of cool I don't know. I'm being a nerd right now with that. So I'm going to shut up. But uh, I think if we stay at 14, all I'll say is I think there are, I think this draft is way deeper than before. And I think we can get guys at 14 um, that can contribute year one and uh, actually can have pretty high ceilings, believe it or not. I don't, I think this is, I think we're going to look back if I had to, if I had to bet right now. I think we'd look back, and this is a, like a Giannis, Kawhi type draft where you get a guy at like 15, 16, you know, somewhere in the middle of that draft. Somebody took a chance on them, and they just they take a couple years, and they just turn into a freaking star. Yeah. Um, I think one of the guys is I, – I think there's a guy in that slot. I'm, I don't know exactly who that guy would be, but – I. I just get the feeling from all the talented guys that I'm seeing that's going this late and like their builds frames, their talents and skills. This is not like Johnny Davis last year at 14. Like oh, these guys are God. blowing Johnny. I knew that was your favorite. 
Dude, I liked him. Oh my god, I was so bad. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but you know, even Kyra's draft. I think we were talking about like Aaron Neesmith and stuff. Like the, these guys are on another level compared to mm-hmm. these players. I'm telling you. So I think even if we stick at 14, there's something to be excited about. There's a lot of good players uh, that we could potentially be getting. And we also are adding back uh, EJ Liddell, which will be nice to see him in action for the first time in summer league in a couple weeks. I just, I can't do another mock draft podcast. I just can't. (laughs) Oh, no, we ain't doing a mock draft, but I can come on here before the draft. And if it looks like we're sticking at 14, yeah, we'll talk me, about ask it. Ask me questions and I'll just answer we'll, them. You don't have to know. We'll definitely get on. We'll get on before the draft. Um, especially if something big happens, man. You know, the last time I was excited about doing a match, do you remember what was the name of that app where the, the CEO of the guy reached out to us like in our early days? Was it called um fuck, what was it called? Was it called Locker Room? You remember Locker Room? Yeah, that's what it was. It was Locker Room. Yeah, he made us download like all these we had to download like all the beta apps and all that shit. That was the last time I had a, we had a, what did that, Spotify bought that too, huh? Holy shit. Spotify did buy that. Yeah. And then they, uh, that was so long ago, Jonathan, that it no longer exists because they bought it and then they got rid of it. Well, no, they turned it into Spotify live. I think they got rid of that. No, I think they still have Spotify live. Oh no, they got rid of Spotify. That's right. They did. Yep. Holy shit. Now they're, now they bought and now they bought Anchor, which is what we use. So, wow, Spotify just dropping money, dude. They bought the Ringer. They bought, they bought a locker room just to get rid of. <laughs> Better give it to some of them artists. Holy shit! Yeah, give it to, give it to Cody and Jesse, man. Go listen, go listen to them. Um, what's the name of the band again? Born Astray, dude. Born Astray, it's your own brother. Born Astray. Cody's in New York right now. I haven't talked to him in a couple of days, so my, my mind's not on it. But anyway, uh, we got a week till the draft, Tyler. Um, I say we'll make a commitment now. We'll try to get one more episode out before the draft and probably after the draft. So um, you're getting that Scoot Henderson jersey or? No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> It'll be right next to my Nikhil Alexander Walker jersey, which oh is, no, which is non-existent. I, I didn't buy it, so um, yeah, yeah. All right, next time. All right, dude. See you soon.